Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Through the first, just watching them through the first two games of this series and really throughout the entire postseason, from, from my point of view, and I'm sure a lot of other people agree, Alex Cora just goes for the jugular, man. gentlemen welcome to the 3-0 take the official podcast of dirt to diamonds baseball here's your host kyle corwin what up what up and welcome back to the 3-0 take the official podcast of dirt to diamonds baseball this is episode 18 i'll be your host kyle corwin and i'm here with my co-host nate reyes nate it's good to have you back buddy i'm still alive i'm still here Glad you're back from the uh, the DL. Uh, I'm sure you wish it were under different circumstances. I know your uh, favorite team's up two games of none right now. Um, I hate it. I'm angry, but it is what it is. I'm telling you, the Dodgers should have taken my advice from last episode. I said Sox and one. I said <laughs> I said Boston would take game one, and then LA would look at the lineup from game for game two, and realize that Price. The greatest pitcher in postseason history was going game two, and then be, they'd be forced to forfeit the rest of the series. They should have just saved their time and energy and just went wheels up back to the West Coast after game one. Uh, it, it It's looking very much overmatched right now. Like it, it's just, it looks, I, I don't have faith in the Dodgers, but to be fair, we've been saying it for a while. Like, I don't have faith in any NL team of winning the World Series, so it doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not calling it a series yet, but I'm just saying it doesn't look good. Yeah, I've actually kind of lost sight of that myself. I I kind of forget that I've been saying for the last couple of months that a National League team doesn't stand a chance. Part of me like wants to actually believe that the Dodgers can make this an interesting series, but I just so far, I don't think we've seen it. Yeah, it's tough thing is that like offensively, there's it's probably the closest lineup I can think of as far as another NL team. Um, but maybe even defensively, it's it's decently close. But like pitching, it's just it's not close to me. Um, starting rotation for the for the Red Sox is getting hot. David Price is getting hot, and uh, you know Ryu looked good yesterday, but overall, I'm just I don't have faith. It, it doesn't look good. You know, it's the Ryan Matson is not the truth. Like what, what, that guy's like 45. How long has he been pitching? I remember him when he was a Philly. And I'm pretty sure he was on that World Series team in like 08. Right? Yeah, he uh, he has not been 
been the best, but we'll uh, we'll dive into that a little later. Um, but I I will say it's it's been fun to watch being a being an unbiased baseball fan, not having a dog in the fight. I've really enjoyed watching this uh, this Boston Red Sox team really play some good baseball. You know, no, you have a dog in the fight. You don't know what it's like. Okay, <laughs> this is hard. This is a hard life to live. No, all jokes aside, it has been, as a Sox guy, it has been kind of difficult watching this series uh, where I'm at in Durham, out here in North Carolina, because literally nobody around me, with the exception of like a couple coworkers, even cares. Like everybody is all in to football and or basketball, unless they're like a Dodgers fan, which there aren't any out here, maybe like one or two. Yeah. Um, but sounds like these when I wish I lived in Boston, it'd be much more I, enjoyable. I think it's, it's, I don't know. So obviously when we talk about like the big old school name teams, like Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, um, you know, teams that, that have been around for a minute and, you know, that, that have a large fan base. I would say equally large hatred base. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, we have two of them. You know what I mean? Right. So I feel like there's a lot of people unplugged. And I mean, yeah. it's a, I'm, I'm going to be honest for me, like it's, it's hard for me to watch intently because I can't stand rooting for the Dodgers right now. It's brutal. Yeah, as a Yankees guy, this is your worst nightmare. The former, the former Brooklyn club going against the all-time rival. That's uh, it's not the best terrible. matchup for a Yankee fan. It's terrible. But I yeah, don't like I, it at I all. totally agree with what you're saying about the polarizing aspect of both of these teams. Just not, not the best for the majority of baseball fans. It's definitely great in terms of market size and getting the coverage and the exposure, but. Kind of like you were saying, unless you're a fan of either one or unless you're one of those just diehard baseball fans, this I, I, I see what you're saying. It'd be easy to uh, to unplug from. Yeah, and I mean, like it's like the Astros last year, I feel like everyone was kind of rooting for just because it was their first one and that the Dodgers, you, it's, it's fun to hate the Dodgers together. Let's all come together and hate the Dodgers, right? or whatever team it is. It doesn't matter specifically about the Dodgers. But what I'm saying is that if it were like the Brewers in this case, people could rally together who dislike the Red Sox and root for the Brewers. Right. I'm prime example of it sucks rallying, quote-unquote rallying together to root for the Dodgers because it's like, ew. So it's hard. It's difficult. I will say... It is it is awesome that it's a classic matchup and it's the one we've been wanting. Um, but for me to really get into this, Dodgers need to win three straight at home. Certainly, I would agree with you on that. Um, that 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 gets me going back into this. That that gives me a little hope. Well, I mean, in a in a strange way, I'm almost pulling for that because I just want to watch Boston win it at home. Because I'm pretty sure every sane baseball fan knows that this is 
going to Boston. Not in terms of not the series isn't necessarily going to Boston, but the series itself is going to Boston. Like we like we've been saying, this isn't a this isn't the year for the National League. It's just not. No, it's not. But uh, let's let's jump into little little bit of a recap. Going back to Game One, um, Boston with the win uh, by a score of eight to four. Los Angeles, which I found out, started the first all right-handed lineup with no switch hitters in World Series history, which I thought was was interesting. But if you're going up against Sale. I guess that's what you would want to do, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense to me because Sale is a perfect example of, like, not only a lefty, but, like, a really uncomfortable throw-across-my-body lefty. So not is it just, you know, most lefty-lefty matchups, or you can say this about any same-side matchup, starts kind of, like, at, at your hip, Right. Because a righty-righty, that stuff's kind of starting at your shoulder or your hip. Sale, if we're talking from a lefty side, that ball's starting behind you. His release point is way behind you. And so unless you're a lefty who like pretty much stays open and is okay not hitting the inner half of the plate, it's not going to work for you. So right. I kind of like the move to go all righty. Um, Obviously, it wasn't extremely successful, but uh, it's it's the it's the effort that counts, I guess, when it comes to the NL. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say Sale or Kershaw, for that matter, really had it going in Game One. I would say that um, Kershaw, in my opinion, reverted back to kind of his old playoff ways. We saw yeah. we saw a glimpse of. Of promise there for a couple games. Can't remember exactly how many or for for what number of outings, um, but just just didn't really have it. I mean, he went neither neither of them got out of the what the fourth or fifth inning. I think they each yeah, had well, like, they each had like four innings pitched. Just wasn't. I was gonna say Kershaw's line wasn't great. No, it was uh, he gave up. Five runs on seven hits, and then Sale gave up three runs on five hits, which isn't I, I, isn't great for his standards. But he did have he did have seven Ks, which is obviously pretty good. It didn't. Oh, I will say, it didn't feel like Kershaw's. It didn't feel like seven. It. You know what I'm saying? It didn't feel horrible. I don't. I don't think it felt as bad as what the line said, but it still wasn't what you're looking for in a playoff start from your ace. No, and I think the fact that Boston jumped out uh, two nothing in the first, I think that just kind of exaggerated his performance a little bit. Like you said, it wasn't it wasn't terrible. Like obviously not what you want in a World Series from your ace, but I mean we we've seen worse. And yeah, they. I mean the Sox with that with that winning game one, they they moved to eight and zero in the postseason when they scored first. So they're obviously nine and zero now after game two but um yeah i just think that early momentum really kind of solidified probably what a lot of the the dodger lineup was was feeling and a lot of what the fan base was feeling they they were like all right the only way we're really going to come in here first game of the world series and make a make a difference here is if if we're able to jump out in front and kind of get behind kershaw but that just wasn't the case yeah 
Um, Not to mention Mookie got all all the Americans their free taco. That was that was big time. The stolen and I like, in the first inning. I like I like how he said he just wanted a taco. Yeah, I, that that was refreshing. You know, these guys aren't just <laughs> giving their like politically correct statements. He goes, yeah, I mean that's what we saw we saw it in our film work. And they're in the scouting reports. And at the end of the day, I just wanted the taco. That that's that's pure. That's refreshing. I liked it. It was it was the only good thing that's that's come out of a Red Sox mouth in a while. So I'm, I was cool with it. But I will say I'm probably with the eighty to eighty five percent of the country that didn't and didn't go get their taco. Well, I don't think it's usually like at the end of the month, isn't it? I thought it was like the day after. Uh, might have been. That tells you that we don't know and we aren't going to get it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just happy he he was he was a man of the people and got him their taco. I'm I'm obviously not really taking part of it, took part in it because I'm not a big uh, Taco Bell guy. Used to be, not not as much anymore. But if Chipotle starts sponsoring this thing and says free burrito for a grand slam or something, I'm there. Look at you, man. Mr. Marketing, that's, start that's, that's big time. We need to reach out. We can out start a here. movement. Yeah. Get uh get Taco Bell out of here. Let's get the let's get the good stuff in here. Um, Chipotle Grand Slam. I like it. Speaking of being cool with Red Sox, how pumped are you to see your former Yankee blast a three run laser in game one? How pumped were you? I know you texted me about it. Ugh. God, it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating because, like, take the emotion out of it. This is what winning teams do. This this is what you, what successful teams do. Um, guys that struggle, they don't struggle for long. And there's the reason I. I'm worried for the Dodgers is because there's like this just unaltered confidence in the Red Sox clubhouse. And it's like Cora just knows it. You know what I mean? Like he just knows it. He knew when to press the Rafael Devers button. And obviously he knew when he just re-hit the Eduardo Nunez button. Yeah, and I, I was mean, I, and I was going to ask you about knows. that. I, yeah, I was going to ask you about that. I I would say through the first, just watching them through the first two games of this series, and really throughout the entire postseason, from from my point of view, and I'm sure a lot of other people would agree, Alex Cora just goes for the jugular, man. He just doesn't he doesn't care about tomorrow. Like he doesn't get caught up with playing for tomorrow or the next game. And it like he obviously makes. He obviously makes calculated decisions. Like he's not just going out there just slinging it, but you can tell that he's like, if we win this, he. I feel like he just has this mentality where he's like, if we win this game, then we've got one game under our belt, and that's momentum heading into tomorrow, and that gives us an advantage for that game, and then we do the same thing again tomorrow, and then by the time he's done with it, he's got a series win under his belt, and we've seen that twice already with with New York and Houston. He just he he doesn't really. It doesn't seem like he's really playing around all that much. Yeah, and that's evident with Evaldi pitching in both games, right? Who looks possessed, by the way. That guy looks ultra focused. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's he's definitely in the zone, and it's it's uh, shown in the past 
past like, few outings for him. He looks intimidating on the mound right now. And I mean, just chucking triple digits on a regular basis. He just, he looks zoned in. So that tells me he's, he's not, not game three, right? Rick Porcello's probably going, if that isn't already been said. No, yeah, Porcello's, Porcello's game three. And I honestly think, depending upon what happens with Porcello, um, Evaldi might just remain a pen guy and he might, it, it might be one of those things where they, they save him for like a later game because we've obviously seen he's got a set of church bells, man. He can step up, he can step up under pressure. And I think that if for whatever reason this goes to a six or, game six or seven, I think he'd be the guy to go. But I think for now the, the, the method they have in, in play, like the plan they have in place right now is, is clearly working. It works. If you need two innings, he's the dude. Or if you're up by a bunch and you don't feel like throwing your studs, he's the dude. So it's like it, they got the formula right now. and it's But <clears throat> that goes along with the confidence thing that Cora really does seem like a genius because of what he knows about his team. Right. You know, he knows his team. And like I kind of tapped on it before, but like, these are what successful teams do to where Eduardo Nunez was only not talked about from his postseason was because of Grandal. You know what I mean? Like Grandal was like the only player defensively worse than Eduardo Nunez. Right. So he presses the Rafael Devers button. Devers gets a couple clutch hits, still kind of shaky on defense, but holds it down better. And then all of a sudden he's like, eh. I see this lefty-lefty matchup. Let's go Nunez. And sure enough, Nunez wakes up again. So it's like he just – he knows he knows when to press the buttons. And, like, honestly, it's uh, it shows a quality manager. Um, and I, like, I have to admit it. I'm, I'm going to be completely just a baseball fan here. I have to admit that, like, this is a scary team if the manager knows exactly how to use it. Yeah, and obviously a lot of credit goes to Cora, but I did see, uh, I think it was a tweet or some sort of report or something that um, prior to game two, which we'll talk about here in a minute, um, Cora apparently saw Nunez in the clubhouse um, and basically told him, hey, we're going with the same plan we went with in game one. Like Devers will get the start at third. Um, but we'll be saving you for a big, like we'll be looking for a big at bat to plug you in. And I think it said that Devers just smiled, gave two thumbs up and said something along the lines of like, I'll be ready. And that's something that's been really impressive to me thus far as like, whether it's in their post game interviews or whatever, it's, it's this like team first mentality. And I, and I know that gets thrown around as a cliche a lot, but I think we're really seeing that, um, play out very effectively and very successfully with this team because, I mean, you, you look at guys like Brock Holt who not just in the postseason but really all season has, uh, like I know I mentioned I think last episode that he's like he's just been stepping up and like handling his business when called upon and uh, and we're seeing it uh, play out specifically with, with Nunez like we talked about in the postseason. So it's just been, it's been really cool to watch. Yeah, it's impressive. It's really impressive and depressing for me. Yeah, certainly. Um, well, 
let's uh I guess we can continue that depression by talking about the game two win for Boston. Uh like I mentioned last episode, this was the uh, this was the game that I almost pulled the trigger on. I almost went uh went to almost got yeah. the tickets, almost got the flights up and back. It would, my schedule would have allowed for it. I was really looking forward to it, but so that's why you're rooting for uh for at least two wins from LA. No, I think at this point it's it's just that was going to be the game that I would have went to. I think uh, my chances of going to a game this series are out the window. But like I said, I had to pull the plug. But, I mean, watching the game last night, I wasn't, like, terribly upset. Because, I mean, although they got the win, it's not like I missed anything really historic. Yeah. Um, but speaking of historic, I don't know if you saw, but they brought back members of the 4 team to throw out the mm-hmm. ceremonial first pitches, which I thought was very cool. Especially... Yeah. When uh, Dave Roberts got recognized as well, and he came out, I'm not gonna lie, man. I was get I was getting a little emotional. He Dave Roberts came out and was giving him giving him all hugs and stuff. That, I mean, that was really cool to see. And it's one of those things where it's like I think, I mean, I won't include Yankee fans in this, but I think every every baseball fan except Yankee fans can kind of see that that's like almost bigger than baseball in a way where it's like, oh, why do we have the opposing manager coming out? Like, obviously he played with him, but like this is the World Series. But to me, that's a thing where it's like, all right, we can take like a five second break to kind of remove ourselves from the situation and like recognize what the what these guys did, not just for Boston, but really for baseball, because that that what they accomplished obviously sets a precedent for for teams to come for years to come um, to show that it's obviously possible to do what they did. And I just thought that that was cool that they were able to kind of honor those guys before the game. I hate Dave Roberts because of that stolen base 14 years ago. Which, by the way, doesn't that make us – doesn't that make you feel so old? 14, yeah, Like 14 <laughs> years ago? Holy cow. That's yeah, just I mean, unbelievable. But, I mean, I, I can recognize that I'm far enough removed because you said it is four, 14 years old. I mean uh, – uh, I'm still pissed about it, but I can at least recognize that it it, um, it is monumental in sports and, you know, like the kind of go off subject a little bit, but like the the whole uh, Cavs down 3-1 and against Golden State series a couple of years ago, right? Right. So like it, it goes up there with, you know, comebacks, whatever. I, I can't even really talk about it nicely i'm pissed honestly if if mario rivera could just could have had a slide step if you if you need to cry man that's okay we can take a brief brief intermission it's um it's it's just it drives me insane but we won out of way and somehow lost four straight anyway um yeah no it's cool and i would say the only reason uh the only guy i liked out of that group um, is because of intentional talk is Kevin Millar. Kevin Millar is hilarious. He's the man. For sure. Um, and, you know, he did play for multiple other teams, so it helps me a little bit with that. But uh, uh, classy move, pretty cool, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, just for those who are unaware, it was David Ortiz, Pedro Martinez, Kevin Millar, Tim Wakefield, Jason Veritek, and Keith Folk. And Alan Embry as well. Can't stand any of them. I love it. Except Kevin Moore. 
Uh, well, game, like I kind of alluded to earlier, wasn't all that exciting. But, uh, I mean, they're just, like like we've said, there just wasn't much offense. Yeah, Ian, I mean, Ian Kinsler finally joined the party. He got an RBI, which glad to see him finally show up. Yeah, and that brings up something that I've wanted to ask you. Because second base is such a, I won't say question mark, but such a revolving door, I should say. Are we going to see Mookie play second base uh, when they go to L.A.? I think so, because I was kind of torn between center and second base, but I think you stand a better chance of putting runs up on the board if you've got Mookie at second and you keep JBJ in center. Because although he's obviously not the most consistent guy, he's he's got somewhat of a hot hand right now at the plate. And he's, he's defensively one of the best center fielders in the game, yeah. um, if not the best. Um, but as much as I like Brock Holt and I think that he could potentially have a big game, um, I think... If you were to bet on it, your chances would be much better off with just keeping JBJ in center and putting Mookie at second. I think Brock Holt, again, although he's he's shown uh, that he can handle the big the like the grand stage, he's he's too much of a wild card to me. So I think I think Cora. I mean, obviously, I'm not in Cora's head, but I would imagine his thoughts might be along the same lines, or at least I would hope. And yeah, I hope we can see exactly, that. It's exactly what you're saying. It comes down to, cause JD Martinez and Mookie Betts have to be in the lineup. So it comes down to basically Jackie Bradley Jr. Versus Ian Kinsler or Brock Holt. I'm sticking with the, you know, championship series MVP and, and leaving him where he is. You know what I mean? So it's, I think it's a no brainer. But um, uh, I think, I don't know, you probably see. So who's the starter for L.A.? For game three? Yeah. Uh, Walker Bueller. All right. So what you'll see is is probably um, probably the offense button first. So you're going to have Mookie at second, J.D. and right. Um, what, probably Mitch Moreland at first? Or is he still unhealthy? Uh, no, he was in there last night. Um, so he's good, right? Yeah. yeah, he should be fine. So Mitch Moreland at first. Well, and remind then, me, is I can't remember, is Walker, is he a lefty or is he a righty? No, he's a righty. Okay, then yeah, you'll, you'll see, uh, you'll see Mitch Moreland in there. And then after you, after, you know, going along with probably the Red Sox plan is after you go up a few runs, then you hit the defense button and, um, you either slide JD out of the lineup or you slide him to first, put Mookie back and right, and then have a real second baseman in there. So Yeah, especially considering JD is kind of nursing a, a shaky ankle, I guess you could say. He rolled it, I think, in, yeah, it would have been game one. Um, it was I think it was on that, that ball he, he put off the wall out in center. I think he rolled it coming around second. Yeah. Um, so that'd be something to keep your eye on. Apparently, he wasn't a hundred percent last night either. He was kind of easing up on a couple of runs down the baseline. But uh, yeah, definitely something to keep in mind for defensive purposes. Yeah. Ass- assuming you're able to get those early runs, like you said. 
Which reminds me, the wall that he hit to center, I saw probably five or six fly balls to center field in these two games that are home runs in L.A. Yeah. I mean, they were driven. We're talking like 410, 408, like in 405, like in that range to where Deepest they're... Part of the park. Yeah, they're probably leaving the yard in L.A. So I'm not solely because of that, but I'm somewhat expecting a little more of an offensive put out by both teams when it goes back to L.A. Especially with the warmer weather. Exactly. That's That's, what I was going to say. The warmer weather, ball's going to go a little bit. Guys are going to be, you know, able to feel the bat a little bit better. The hands don't sting as much. So, yeah, man, it's – I'm hoping for a punch back. I I really am because it's like the last World Series was so entertaining. Yeah. And and I, I know for the baseball purists, like, ridiculous amount of home runs and i'm sure that wasn't the fun part but i think it was more about the fact that each team had so much fight in it i'm hoping to see some of that fight from the dodgers back in la i would agree with you on that um and i got some other kind of just miscellaneous notes that i want to share with you but before i do that let me share with you all a little bit about SeatGeek. It's the answer to all your ticket needs. Are you looking for tickets? Do you have plans with friends or family to make it to an upcoming game or concert? Or are you even looking months ahead to nail down a date to get tickets before they sell out? With SeatGeek, you can find tickets to games, concerts, shows, and even theater performances with just a few easy clicks. We're making it even better for you if you're a first-time user of SeatGeek. The next time you add some tickets to your cart, use our promo code DTD at checkout to save $20 instantly off your first purchase as a first-time user. It's all you got to do to save some of that cold hard cash. Enter promo code DTD at checkout. All right. Got some, like I said, miscellaneous notes here that I kind of just want to wrap this thing up with. Um, Sox, they've scored half their runs this postseason with two outs. That is That's absurd. That, that is a winning formula. I don't care who you're going up against. You're bound to win some baseball games if you're able to put up those kinds of numbers. Just absurd. I've never heard of anything like that. Uh, Moving on, we already mentioned him earlier. Ryan Madsen, despite pitching like absolute garbage through two games, has an ERA of zero. He just decides to let in everybody else's runs. Ah, trickster. He's a real trickster. I mean, what kind of of teammate is that? That's just... I'm sure there's going to be a stat created for that, by the way. There's going to be some... There's going to be some stat that... Because yeah. that 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 obviously you can't look at a guy like that and, and judge him based off of his ERA. Like he's not that good. I, I don't understand. Like they were all hyped when they made that trade and they put him in that role, and it was like, why? What? How old is this guy? How many freaking innings is on that arm? Like, yeah. If I'm LA, I'm not even giving him a plane ticket. He's. I'm just gonna leave him in Boston. Um, For real. Next. Looking at some more numbers, this postseason the Red Sox have averaged 6.4 runs per game and all other teams have averaged 3.5. Uh, their batting average has been 261 and all other teams have been 215. Uh, this this is huge, kind of going along the lines of scoring runs. Um, their average with runners in scoring position, 363, and all other teams are 197. 
Um, wow. And their offense is averaging 7.9 strikeouts per game, while all other teams are averaging 9.8 strikeouts a game. Um, and lastly, just wanted to share one one sobering thought with you, Nate. Um, David Price has more wins in the last week than Luis Severino, Masahiro Tanaka, CC Sabathia, Jay Happ, or Dylan Batantis had in the entire postseason. Best pitcher in postseason history. Whatever. Whatever. Unreal. David Price still sucks. He's still sketchy. And he's still greasy. I texted you this a couple weeks ago. I still believe it. If there's anybody that's ever been on TV that looks like he smells like hot dog water, it's him. I don't like. I mean, David he Price. can smell like hot dog water. He can drink hot dog water for all I care. If he's putting up W's in the final series of the season, I'm okay with it. If he can he, he can bathe in hot dog water for all I care. Whatever. If he was on any other team, he would be run out of town. His team saved his butt, and you know it. And I know that's what you're gonna say. That's how good teams work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I'm saying. Is that he's lucky he's on that team. Well, in the that's, last in the last few good. games that he's gotten wins in, the offense didn't necessarily bail him out by any means. He held him. Like I'm he, saying they got, him, shut they out got him the opportunity to pitch again. Oh, yeah, well certainly. Yeah. I mean that's that's a that's a known fact, but nonetheless, given the opportunity, he was able to step up the last two times. That's yeah. more that's more than we can say about a certain team in New York staff. Anyway, that's about it. Unless you got any other any other notes or thoughts or jokes or quotes. Um I like that uh umpiring's been pretty decent. A little bit of a wide zone last night. Yeah, I will say game one, um and I'm not saying this because Sox got two wins, but game one I would say was was pretty clean across the board. Game two, like you said, was was a little Little wider, a little more inconsistent, but still better than what we saw in the in the postseason prior. Yeah. The nice thing is I still don't know any of their names, which is perfect. That's way that's the way I want it. Um but I will say did you hear that little that little theory? I I'm liking these conspiracy theories now. I'm riding this this train. I'm big into conspiracy theories, man. Did you hear this little uh, thing about Joe West, the last series, about how um, how there's the theory that he had an earpiece in, that he, he got like 149 out of 150 calls right? Really? I did not hear this. He only missed one call. Holy cow. And for a notoriously bad umpire, that's pretty crazy. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me. Like, if you're going to give an earpiece to a guy, it'd be Joe West. It'd be Joe West, right? So, I'm just saying, there may be something sketchy going on to where, uh, like, the MLB caught a lot of heat for Angel Hernandez, and maybe they were trying to avoid some of that heat for Joe West. Or maybe that throw down to second base that smoked Joe West in the chest woke him up a little bit. A little but, bit, uh, there's something sketchy going on. I know that much. I'll have to look into that. But uh, as always, thanks for tuning in. We'll catch back up with you guys early next week to recap the game out west. 
in LA. In the meantime, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. I'll say it again for those of you who didn't hear it the first time. Subscribe to this podcast and leave that review. How many stars? Cinco, numero five. Five stars. We love you all, and as always, we're looking forward to talking more baseball with you guys soon. Until then, stay filthy.